0: Good evening. I hope that we're well. It's me, Ryan Hartley, from Always Better Than Yesterday. Thank you for taking the time to catch up on replay. Thank you for taking the time to check out the Always Better Than Yesterday YouTube or podcast. Thank you for spending some time with us. I hope that you are well. And um, I'm just going to send out a couple of invites now to get some people involved in in the conversation this evening. Here we are for episode 54. Episode 54. Um, and I am very, very excited for this guest this evening. It's, it's, um, I'll say a little bit more about it once I've sent a few invites. When you are on, let me know, drop a blue love heart emoji. Let me, uh, jump in the comments and appreciate you. And let me take some time to say thank you for coming and joining us and and spending a little bit of time with the Always Better Than Yesterday community on this Sunday evening, um, Let's make sure that it's time well spent, shall we? Cool. So we've got a few people on. Happy days. Great to see you guys. Great to see you. So here we are, episode 54. Hopefully I'm loud and clear. Um, 53 people have joined me on this interview session um, in the last year. And the reason I do this is simple. To help people like you and I learn from the habits and mindset of successful and inspiring people. It's just that simple. I love to learn from... Um, people that are, I would say, uh, inspiring or successful in their own right, but those that are, um, what am I trying to say? People that have done things in their life and and actually mindset's been a key part of of what they've done and and, and just helping us learn what works for them is is a great way for us to be able to... um, try something else in our own life. I believe that the way that we think will inform the way that we act and ultimately the results that we get. So hopefully it will change your thinking this evening. Um, and, you know, very, very honoured and privileged um, to be bringing my, my guest on this evening. I spoke alongside Ephraim at um, Living Your Learning's Mind Yourself event during Mental Health Week um, in Portsmouth Uni in, in May. And it never have I believed that A talk can change your life, and I and I genuinely mean that. The the talk that Ephraim gave um, will stay with me. Um, The perspective that it gave me was just massive. Um, So so much inspiration taken away, and 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 I won't say too much because that's that's why I'm going to bring Ephraim on and and help him share his story. But it was truly truly powerful, and I I believe that. uh, and I think it's worth sharing this live stream right now. So if you if you can take the time and just push that share button um, and we'll try and get as many people involved in this conversation as possible because I genuinely believe there's going to be something in this conversation that you or one person in your network is going to want to hear. And now, hopefully without any hitch. hello my friend
1: hello just working the technical stuff out
0: <laughs> we're good you are on how are you are we good yes very good can you hear me now i think we've got a bit of internet delays
1: i can intermittently yeah hi and-
0: Let's let's do the best of what we can. Fantastic. Yeah, um, really well. Really good weekend. Thank you, my friend. And I'd just love it if you just take the time to introduce your good self and, and share a bit of your story with the watchers and the listeners this evening.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm getting a bit of a a delay. So it's coming through a number of times. Hopefully it all works out on the technical side of things. Um, Obviously, I met you a good few months ago when we did the talk down in Portsmouth, which Mm. I think was quite, quite successful for all of us. Um, Yeah, I'm still getting a bit of bounce back on the sound. I'm listening to myself now. I might just pause for 20 seconds and let that pass.
0: I know i said about the headphones but maybe um maybe take them out see if that does anything i'll unplug them
1: yeah Get with me, let's give it a go right is that better for yes me? can i hear you yes right yeah. that's fine so yeah sorry just yeah. to go back over that i mean obviously we met down in portsmouth uh where we did that the mindset talk with craig etc uh, and it was a it was i think it was entertaining for all of us really not entertaining is the right word but it was informative for all of us uh, the background to my story, really, and if I can pick up, probably in 2013, where this all started, rather unremarkably, up to that point. Uh, my name is Ephraim, as you mentioned before. I'm the father of two, married, uh, been with my wife well, for years, really. We start, we met each other in uh, in the late 80s, uh, and we've been together ever since. We had two lovely children, James and Yasmin. Uh, James was born in 1990. Yasmin was born in 92. Um, and James deployed to Afghanistan for his second tour of duty in, well, in the summer bank holiday, so we're coming up to six years ago of 2013. So we, um, on his first tour, we'd not really been, he, he kept us a little bit at arm's length, he was keen to do everything uh, quite privately, so he'd sort of driven himself off to camp and then he deployed out, I think it was in 2012, because he was away for the Olympics, uh, he came back and then volunteered straight away to deploy in Herrick 19 as part of um, the Brigade Reconnaissance Force. So he was attached to the Brigade Reconnaissance Force. As a loot operator, he was attached to 14 signals. What they basically do is they're the, the ears, when they go out on operations with the officer commanding, they'll be part of the part of the group that will part part of TAC, uh, and he'll help intercept enemy transmissions. They'll try and establish where that transmission's coming from and the best course of action from there on. So James deployed out as a loot operator on Herrick 19. Because they went out slightly, o- slightly earlier than the rest of his group, they were, they were there maybe, I think, about a month before the rest of Herrick 19 joined. So he was out on a, um, a handover operation between the two parties, between Herrick 18 and Herrick 19. Uh, it was on the 15th of October 2013. At the end of the operation, uh, they came under direct enemy fire. They'd become dangerously exposed, which they possibly shouldn't really have got themselves into that situation, but that's one of these things that often happens. During um, the extraction, James stayed back and provided covering fire, so the rest of his group of about 8 to 10 men, I believe, uh, withdrew. and During the process of that, unfortunately, he was uh, was killed. Um, He was 22 at the time, just coming up to 23... Uh, and it was a, obviously a huge shock to all of us, uh, everyone who knew him, everyone had, who knew us. Um, it's just one of those things that I don't think you ever really anticipate happening. Although we were aware that he went out to a war zone, he was out there with thousands of people. So we never really felt he was in any mortal danger. We certainly didn't think that anything uh, like like that would happen to him. To give you a bit of a background on James, he was always a very high achiever in terms of physical um, sports, that sort of thing, he had a huge interest in sport, he was a good footballer, he represented the county uh, and played up to international college standards, so he's a very good footballer. Academically he was also very bright, um, he was always very interested in, in sort of gadgetry type things, he was interested in space, he was interested in all the sort of things that you might expect of someone of his age to be interested in too. so he had a real good balance of acad- academia and physical uh, as well. Uh, And he loved being in the Army, so he really was looking forward to deploying. He was looking forward to to deploying as part of the Brigade Reconnaissance Force because they take a fairly active role on things that are going on uh, out there at the time. So he was very pleased to be out there. Uh, Obviously, we were worried. We weren't as worried because he'd been a lot more open with us this time. We were able, for example, to take him down to camp. He was based at 14 Signals, which is in or near Haverford West, so we were able to take him... Down there, uh, my wife and I, we stayed in the Brecon Beacons whilst we dropped him off. Uh, and we were a lot more involved, I suppose, in his deployment. We got communications while he was out there, which we didn't really get when he was out there in 2012. I mean, to give you an idea of that, when he came back in 2012, at about three o'clock in the morning, he came through the door. We didn't know he was coming back that day. He just literally turned up. So he didn't really give us much information. During his his latter deployment we did we got communications we get the odd picture got i'm not going to say regular emails but we got emails maybe every couple of weeks or, or maybe even a week i'd had a an email from him the day before he deployed on this particular operation to kakaran just kind of saying well i'm i'm out for a few days won't be in contact hope everyone at home as well etc so it was a huge shock to us and like all of these things when you see it on the television and at the time I think we'd seen um we're not really seen a huge amount of press because up until the point that we lost James there hadn't been I don't believe a military death for around six months or maybe even longer so it had been something that that had had definitely eased a little bit it wasn't anything like as kinetic as it was in previous years but it still obviously was a big shock to us um when something like that happens and you lose someone who's as close to you as, as James is, it's, um, there's, there's not really any words to describe, but it. it changed every aspect of my life. It still changes every aspect of my life. Um, my wife, my daughter and I, we've all changed careers. We've moved house. We've made friends. We've lost friends. We've made family friends. We've lost family friends. Literally, up in, only in more recent times can I sort of, sort of categorise it to say we had a life up to that moment or somewhere around that moment and we've had a life after that moment um, and we often will judge things dates wise on you know was was James still around was James not around that sort of side of things so although we all believe he's still with us and I genuinely do believe he's with us in some capacity obviously physically uh, we lost him back in 2013 and it's taken a long 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 time um, really to, to try and get our heads around what's happened to us and the change in our lives and the shift in our life. Uh, and it's been, it's been quite, quite traumatic, obviously. It's changed me as a person, it's changed us all as people. Um, lots of things that were important at that time are no longer important. Lots of things that weren't important have become more important. I think we're more aware of ourselves as people. We're also more aware of, of how, how things can change so quickly. Now, added to this, uh, or in the, the years following that, I, um, I tried to do a few things that I thought he maybe would have done when he got back. So, for example, he was booked in to do P Company when he came back from Afghan during his leave. So I did a little, it's called the Para 10, where you basically run around with weight on your back and do a 10-mile run and try and complete it within, I think it's an hour and 55. So I did that. I also took part in the second series of SAS, Who Dears Wins in Ecuador, And I'm often asked why I did that, and I honestly don't really know why I did that. It kind of just seemed right and happened. I watched the first series, my wife and I, which I believe aired in 2014, maybe? Uh, So it was very soon after James had died, and a lot of it was filmed in the areas where James was based. He'd he'd done a lot of training, obviously, in Brecon, as most Army personnel have or Forces personnel have, but it was also filmed a lot closely to, to Haverford West and that 14 signals. And we'd actually been to a number of places during, uh, we were part of the coming home parade uh, when his regiment came home, which was one of the more difficult times that we really experienced. I mean, I saw, for example, two of James's friends for lunch today. So we've we've kept in contact with a lot of them, but the experience itself is always very difficult. And it's always hard for us to look at people's kids as they grow up, in particular. So, James' James's friends, I mean, James will be 29 this year, and he died at 22, so, you know, next year we'll be approaching the milestone of his 30th birthday, um, and when you look, you look too long into the future, or too hard into the future, it, it makes things a lot more difficult than they are, and it's one of the things I've kind of learned along the way, is to not try not to do that, really, so, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit here, but going back to the, the, the SAS programme, so I did that in... We flew out on my birthday, actually my 44th birthday, May the first, 2016, uh, and I'd had a couple of health issues whilst I'd been in the jungle, uh, and luckily the the doctor there, Sandeep, suggested that when I came back, I got a PSA test done as part of my um, trip to the doctors. I mean, I went to see the doctors, and luckily I had a letter from Sandeep just to explain what had happened, and that uh, as a fellow professional, uh, he recommended that certain things happen. So. I underwent a series of invasive tests, which eventually, after a year of those, ended up with me being diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, which was approached, well, it was June of 2017, so coming up to two years ago, and then I had the operation to remove my prostate. Um, I think it was the first weekend in September 2017, so I'll soon be approaching the two-year mark. I hadn't really... I didn't really know a huge amount about prostate cancer, only that it was an unpleasant disease and it's the tests for which are also unpleasant because of where the prostate is. So I'd not really thought much about it and I was only sort of made aware uh, that I could get it, really, through my own, through my own diagnosis. We'd had, um, when I went to the, the wards where these things are checked, I was by far the youngest person, most people are in their sort of 70s or 80s, and now I am at 45 years old. Getting these sort of things checked, so it's nice for once to go somewhere where you are by far the youngest. But it's also quite, quite, quite uh, scary at the same time. So I was diagnosed with that in 2017, had it removed, and I'm now coming up to two years in remission. So another three years in the clear, and hopefully everything will uh, will go well. I'm shaking a bit here, so I'm just going to try and stabilise myself. Ah, Is that better? Yeah. So that brings us up to sort of 2017, and ever since then, really, I've just been. Trying to make my way, or we've been trying to make our way the, as best we can. Um, it's had a hell of an effect, as you can probably appreciate, physically and mentally, going through two sort of life-changing issues. One thing I've been acutely aware of of recent, well, certainly since I had the surgery, is how vulnerable, physically, which I'm not really. Leading um, into the program, I always had really good stamina. One of the things I couldn't really understand while we are out there is why. I was struggling to do some of the more physical tasks. I mean, you have to, as a backdrop to that, you have to appreciate it was very hot. I think it was sort of 30 to 35 degrees, round about 95% humidity. So it was always going to be difficult, but it's not something I'd really experienced before in in an inability to do things physically. I'd sort of put it down to the last couple of years and what we've been through because it'd been very, very draining. I mean, I don't think I've slept tonight since we lost James, really, not properly or not consistently, so I just put it down to being tired, fatigued, sort of worn out mentally and physically, but it made me much more aware of my own shortcomings and my own vulnerabilities physically, and one of the things I've used since uh, since we lost James is I like to do physical exercise, I like routine, I like to walk the dog, all these different things, and I couldn't do, I mean I literally would go for a run, and within half a mile I, I was, I would be burning up, my temperature would be going up, I wouldn't be able to Focus probably I'd have all sorts of aches in my back and my neck I couldn't do a lot of things that I would usually have done or been able to do fairly easily I mean even in periods when I've been unfit or inactive for a while I usually have always found that if you just keep going everything virtually sort of settles down but since I'd had the surgery it's it's been very very difficult and it took a good two years or up to the period I am maybe 18 months ago so sorry six months ago so about 18 months it had been a good period before I was even able to do some of the things that i should be able to do very easily and it's only now in the last maybe couple of months that i feel i'm sort of 75 back sent back to where i was before so that's a long-winded answer to your question um that's kind of me in a nutshell and that's where i am um, at the moment really
0: before i spoil it before i, spoil I it too, much, much. I'm too much i'm getting a in lot feedback. of feedback so if from me you can put the headphones, put back, the
1: headphones back, back, in. back in headphones back in hang on
0: Right. I was consciously staying quiet for two reasons. One because that is a massively powerful story and two no one wants to hear my voice twice so before I ask any questions I just want to first say thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for um, sharing your story because like I said to you before it it was massively massively powerful when when I heard you deliver it on that day and and I'd just love to know, with all that you've gone through and you're still sat here today, like what, what, what's helped? Could you, can you put your finger on anything that, that's helped?
1: Um, I've tried, uh, we've all tried to live life more in the moment when we thought too far in advance. For example... What will we do? James died on the 15th of October. Shortly after that, we had remembrance. We had James's birthday, which is the 22nd of December, and so on. So a lot of the time with these things, where you try and look into the future and think, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to cope with these events, what we tried to do or what I tried to do is, is not really think about them till they're almost on us. I mean, to give you an, an idea of some of the things we, we do, in June, up to the next, now- National Memorial Arboretum. It's James's uh, Intelligence Memorial Memorial Day. In July, we have the Intelligence Corps Annual Year, where we present an award to um, the recruit, if you like, who's coming through the Stage 2 training, who best exemplifies his spirit, his leadership skills. So we present that in July. Uh, In August the 15th, it will be our wedding anniversary The August bank holiday will be the anniversary of when we last saw James. Then we go through to September. September the 25th is my daughter's birthday. Uh, It was her 21st birthday when James was away, and that's always a difficult anniversary, I know, for her. Then we go into October, which is the anniversary of when we lost James. Firework day is the date of his funeral. The remembrance week follows there soon thereafter. And then we go into December. Um, his birthday, etc., and that's just over the last. Year. There is always something as a reminder, called period, for us to go. The events leading up to these can be a challenge, so we literally lock down and focus in the very in the short period beforehand, in particular where we've got to go somewhere or, or be a representative. Uh, and often on the day itself, it's not actually as bad. As bad. So we try and live in the moment.
0: i think we're struggling a little bit with internet can you hear me okay Are we working? There we go. Is that better?
1: Working. No.
0: There you go. I can can see you now. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me now? Bear with us, guys. We've got a little bit of technical, as we always do on a Facebook live. So uh, I can still yeah. see you, my friend. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you fine. Can you hear me?
0: Fantastic. There we go. I can hear you now. Um, you touched on um, your son's leadership. What um, what 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 comfort can you take from from that?
1: Oh, huge comfort. Um, James was always one of, those pers- one of those people that would not struggle in anyone's company, anything from the cleaner all the way up to the king and queen of England. I'm going to have to take these headphones out again because it's bouncy. See if that sure. helps. Right, can you hear me okay? Yeah. So James was always someone that we could put in any environment, in any situation, And We'd never really have to have any concerns about him. That really started from a very young age. He played a lot of high-quality football and he tended to be the sort of guy that would naturally take on that sort of leadership role. Um, Sometimes others around him wouldn't necessarily match his ambition in what he was trying to do uh, and that could lead to frustration on his behalf. But I think that's all part of the growing experience. I mean, we had, I'm going to guess, somewhere in excess of 100 letters various people after james passed uh, and there was a recurring theme of many things and one of them was uh, his ability to galvanize people his ability to work with people whoever they are uh, and his his ability uh, or his sheer ability to let people confidently follow him even if they were more experienced if they were older if they are higher in rank etc when james died one of the things that we were most proud of uh, was after uh, when the the honours were announced for his particular tour, he was mentioned in dispatches for his bravery on the day. Uh, he stayed back when he didn't have to. One of his close friends had had volunteered to stay back. Uh, one of his, who's also his superior, but James had sent them back uh, on the basis that they had heavy ASAC. So he was quite happy to stay back, send him through, and obviously that basically cost him uh, his life. We. Whenever we go somewhere, people always say very positive things about him, to the extent of even his teachers, uh, who I've met since, his colleagues, uh, um, everybody around him, really. he's. It's very difficult to explain him to someone like yourself and people listening that had never met him, but he was. I was incredibly proud of him as I am of my daughter. Anyone to volunteer to do what he did has my full respect. Um, and, yeah, he was just... He was just a great, great guy, really. We would, I mean, he would often, he just did stuff that, you know, we all, we'd always try and everybody always tries to bring their children up to stand up for the right thing, to do the right thing, to know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, and he certainly did. And he had a huge amount of respect from his colleagues as a result of that. As I say, people way more experienced, way older, ha- have been influenced by him. In a relative short time that they knew him, and he was only in the army for two years, two and a half years, uh, and he'd made his way quite quickly. I mean, he'd been selected for uh, promotion when he got back, so he would have gone to a corporal when he got back. Um, he was just a, he was just a, an all-round, really terrific guy. and Physically, he was immensely strong. I mean, there always comes a time in most fathers' life where stop being able to beat them at football or running or any of these things physically, and for me and him, that came fairly early on, and I was fairly young. So when James was 18, I was 36. So when he was 14, I was still in my what I like to call my prime, my early 30s. So he was just a, a phenomenal physical guy. Just yeah, I, I, mean, I miss him every day. We all do. Nothing will ever change that, and nothing will ever alleviate that. But I do. I've I've missed him. I didn't think I I didn't think anything like this would ever happen but now it has happened not having had any stories of his life for the last um, nearly 6 years has been one of the most difficult parts of it so whenever you have you know the things I've done since and we have there has been good days there are always good days we got the opportunity to meet Her Majesty the Queen I did the SAS thing which was fun I met some great people and some new friends Lots of things that we've done, um, I would want to share them with him probably first, and obviously I don't have the opportunity to do that, so that's very difficult. We both had a huge uh, overlap in the things that interested us in terms of music, cars, sport, football in particular. But we would have a, many conversations about all these things. But of course, I haven't been able to do that for a, for a long time. I've had to get used to it, but it's difficult, and it's still difficult. Um, it it will never stop being difficult and I accept that. But I also have to accept that we have a life that be that we have to make the best of the life that we've got and we have to be able to make the best of the situations that we find ourselves in. Not just in terms of where we go or the experiences we have, but also now by what I've learned about myself en route and what I've learned about the whole experience en route, which we obviously hope to pass on to other people Organization that Dan, Olly and myself set up with Strong Men. That's a terrific opportunity for us, for Dan and myself, to be able to share some of the experiences we've got and hopefully to... Inspire is the wrong word because it makes you sound better than you are. But sometimes when people do approach you and they kind of say, well, I don't really know how you've managed, I don't kind of know how you've done what you've done, but we have no choice and people often say you're so brave, etc., but... Again, we have no choice. We can either sort of lie down and, and do nothing about it and just let life creep over us with dust and vine, or we can get on with it and try and make the best of what we what we've got. And that's exactly what all of us do. We have we just have to get on with it, and we just have to try and make the most of where we are with things. I I, I respect, respect my my that so much, and, so
0: much, and it would be quite, it would be easy, quite for easy for you to. For you to just give up. Just give up. The things, you know, that the things been that you've been through in the last, in the ten, last years and ten years. And just curious. Just curious to, to know, you know, you know what, what driving, driving strong men. Who's it for? Who's it and how for? Do you help and how them? do you help them?
1: So, uh, strong men is a bereavement support charity. We're a fully registered charity now, as of the third of July. Uh, so we achieved charitable status with the Charities Commission, which is a huge benefit for us. What we are, we are set up to deal. We at the moment, our goal is to help people like ourselves, and that's men aged between 18 and 55. That's an arbitrary number. It, it does, it's just for our insurance purposes, really, um, to help men like us that have experienced a bereavement of a close family friend or a close member of the family uh, and try to really put some of the things we found that have worked for us across to other people. So it's not a case of we don't recommend people medicate or otherwise that's up to them but what we're trying to do is use a more sort of organic method if you like create a community where people sort of know how to look after themselves a little bit better and maybe to put themselves in with a, a group of, of peers where they can talk to each other about stuff and the concerns that they have and I think until you do experience something like this it's very difficult to appreciate how hard some things can be. So we had our first group up in Snowdon on the, the first weekend in April. We took, there was around 20 of us went up to Snowdon um, and we had the guys there for a weekend. And it, it's to try and create this sort of brotherhood where we are all friends together. They are hugely important people to us. They always will be that first group we, that, that we had because, you know, they were incredibly brave to volunteer for it. They didn't know what they were gonna, what was going to happen to them. What was going to be involved in the process? Um, there was no information out there. So, if I put myself in their position, it was very brave of them to really put themselves out there and do that. So, we're always terrifically grateful to them and we we'll always retain them as part of the charity, as we'll try and do with all the people that, that come on the courses with us. So, we provide courses which are free of charge to anyone who, who comes along. We are, unfortunately, we don't have the resource to take everybody who applies. We had in the hundreds register for interest for the first event uh, and we had to whittle that number down substantially because we have limited funding also if you end up taking twenty thirty people it loses the strength of what it's all about and that's creating those sort of close those close relationships between people so naturally we found being in the outdoors uh, doing something that's a little bit physical a little bit difficult has an element of difficulty to it it naturally creates this sense of belonging and brotherhood, and and all that everybody's sort of all the the walls they've built up around them, hopefully will will sort of come down a little bit and start start a conversation off. And I found I went with my wife to a SAFA group. Uh, there was a bereaved families group, which which they scale right down on the funding of now. But at the time I went with her, and the one thing I took from it was how comfortable I was sat in a room with people in a similar situation to me. Whereas usually when you sit with your friends or family, they can't really associate with what you're feeling or what you've been through, and just to hear people say, you know, the same sort of things as me or the same experiences as me, made it. It sort of lodged in my head as, you know, this is the one thing I'll take away from this as being a useful thing, and if we can then take that back and push it out to others, then, then, then happy days. So that's what we try and do. It's an organic product, if you like. We're trying to increase the number of courses we do. <clears throat> say I. Um, we're looking for sort of corporate backing we're going to look to get some grants into government and communities and really really kick on with other things we need to increase our portfolio of what we do uh, and we've got some great ideas dan ollie and myself as to how we're going to do that we have a meeting dan and i this week coming where we're going to sit down and go through a few things because we've really had a lot of interest um all the way from we've had companies contact us particularly for me my background being construction which has a a huge mental health problem and high very high suicide rates. So I've had contact from that side of things. The police have contacted us three or four different police uh, regions of the police. And uh, really looking at how we can sort of push that out there and try and increase what we do to provide that support for other people while still retaining the core of what we do and that is to try and keep things simple and try and get people talking. It's a little bit like what you do and what we do- what we're doing here if someone listens in and just five or six lines of what I say or what you say strikes home, then you hope that someone takes that on and does something positive with it, because we're all different. We all have our different relationships in the strongman side of things. Each of the bereavements is different. Each of the relationships are different. Everybody's background is different. So all we're trying to do is try to impart that stuff to others to help them and enable them to help themselves. And what we found with the group that we had in Snowden they're a fantastic group, they're very open-minded, and <clears throat> within a very short period of time, you could hear laughter. you could hear people talking, they've got um, into groups of their own and they kept in contact, we've kept them in contact, and we had a follow-up um, event last Friday just going where we went to Renault Formula 1 uh, up in Oxford, and they, um, they took us all in and we had the opportunity, sort of money-can't-buy opportunity, to go around their facility, they let us sit in the Formula 1 cars... They let us change the tyres on the Formula One cars. Dan and I had the opportunity to speak to probably 40, 50 people in their auditorium and tell them a little bit about what we're doing and how how we've got to where we are. And hopefully, you know, we can we can tie a little bit of a collaboration up with them. But even as soon as we'd done that in the, the days of following, we'd had a number of emails in from people saying, you know, it's great to hear what you had to say, and it made me reflect on my own um, situation and circumstances and i'm sort of more determined to do something about it now and that is exactly what we're trying to do is to try and make people look after themselves a little bit better take a bit of time out for themselves to make themselves look after each other uh, and really try and create that bond Uh, the way i kind of look at it is whenever it snows or whenever the weather's really bad i mean look up in, in derby at the moment communities come together in the worst of situations but then of course the snow goes and the weather improves and everyone reflect or goes back to how they were we're just trying to create that sort of bond between people and it genuinely works and when we got the guys back together the laughing the joking the banter all these things almost instantly started off and uh, Dan and I felt like uh, proud parents really I suppose even though we're of a similar age or even younger than some of them it was great for us just to be able to to watch the fruits of what we were trying to achieve have been achieved with these guys and we're going to keep them retained and we're going to use their expertise because Dan and I are no, more, no greater experts than they are. They're all part of this organic process and we want to use them as best we can. That's amazing. That's How, amazing. Can, the How viewers, can the viewers, viewers listeners,
0: listeners connect with you, connect follow, with you, what, you're follow with what you're doing with Strongman?
1: We're on the usual social media side of things, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, follow what we're doing. We have a website which has got some good information on it. It's got the video of the Snowden um, trip that we did just follow us, get the word out there if anyone's interested in doing some fundraising or donating there's a there's a page on there to do that, we have some t-shirts and bits and bobs that we've we've done which are sort of gym t-shirts they're really, uh, it doesn't take me I'm, a, I'm slightly biased but we've got that wonderful logo and they all use that so buy a t-shirt use it when people ask you about it which they do because of the title the strong men and the logo, tell them what it's all about because it, uh, Dan and I feel as does Ollie, that we have a great opportunity to do something truly special with this. But it's just getting from where we are to where we want to be and not doing it too quickly. We have to be ready when people contact us that we can do something. We can't, you know, we have to try and manage it as best as we can. And the interest that we've had uh, has been great. Uh, The things we've achieved have been great. The experiences that we've had along the way have been great. And it's hugely cathartic for, for Dan and I to be able to, inspire again is the word that comes out it makes me sound a bit big headed but to be able to help people along the way on their journey and just to say that there really is always light at the end of the tunnel whatever the situation there's always someone willing to help you Um, and there's always someone who's been through it who's, who's happy to impair some of their knowledge some of their experience some of their help and that's all we're trying to do we're just trying to get through life like anybody we've had some serious setbacks both Dan and I but you know we're not going to give up on this. We're going to try and take it through to 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 its conclusion, uh, and we're strong men. That's really helping us to do that. And I think if we just keep chipping away at it, we keep talking people like yourselves. And I know uh, you were hugely touched uh, by, by when you sat down and heard. You know I'm a I'm a 47 year old guy, unremarkable person who had a career in construction, which I've just finished incidentally. I've just finished incidentally. I'm just a normal person that's had some some terrible luck along the way and and late, and but it can happen to anyone and it it's the worst possible thing that can happen so if we can provide something for people to help then that's great it helps us it helps everybody so we're just trying to you know it sounds awfully corny doesn't it just sort of make the world a slightly better place Uh, and in doing so it helps us along the way as well so yeah that's that's really just keep an eye on the social media stuff Donate if you can, fundraise if you can, spread the word if you can, uh, buy a t-shirt if you can, all these sort of things, really.
0: I wear my, I wear my pin badge with, pin badge pride, on my with pride on my lanyard, it's, it's sparked many, many, sparked many conversations, many, many, many conversations. Yeah. Um, um, and I will be going to and get myself, from, to get those myself from those straight t-shirts t-shirt conversation. straight conversation. after this conversation. Good man. And, yeah. um, and, um,
1: it does make us feel great when you see the effect it has on people, and when you see people who fundraise for us that we've never met, we don't know, but they've... Put themselves out there to do that because they believe in what we're doing it's very humbling um and you know word gets around that way and we're trying to we're trying to do this in the right way we're not trying to dumb anything down we don't want to have a a mass amount of people um you know not we don't want to take 50 people on a course and lose that personal touch with them we want to keep the numbers low so we've got that connection with them but it means we have to do more courses with less people on so it just means more time, more admin, more cost. But that's the way that uh, we firmly believe is the way forward. Like that. Like that. And because I do, because corny, I do,
0: do corny, and I've labeled, and I've, and I've my coaching ethos, coaching ethos always better than yesterday. Telling. I'm yeah. just I'm curious just curious to know curious what that phrase, know phrase always better than yesterday means to, to, means to, to means use.
1: To well, when we started off on this journey, and it's a word I hate, but I use it back in October two thousand and thirteen. We just tried to get through sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes half a day, sometimes a day, sometimes a week, month, so on and so on. So that's the ethos really is a similar sort of thing. I try and, with what I'm doing, I try to always have a little plan in my mind how we're going to get to where we want to get to, whether that's with strong men or whether that's personally. Um, I'm hugely lucky that I have a fantastic wife who we have a great relationship uh, and and an absolutely outstanding daughter who really does make me incredibly proud to see her pass through life with such, well, in such a unique and wonderful way. She's a wonderful young lady. So I just try and make those around me happy. They make me happy. And consequently, I try and make other people happy and just try and do things that you know experiences my wife and I try and do something every month that's slightly different whether that's just going to the cinema whether we're going to do something go on a holiday just try and take time for ourselves so the goal in all of this is just to keep surviving and help our life continue to stay in balance as best as we can do we accept that there's going to be difficult days we have once we get clear of the summer the last three months of the year are very difficult for us for obvious reasons so we sort of batten down and we've we found our coping mechanisms uh, and we just try and get through those uh, or use those as best as we can. So if we get out the end of it and um, sometimes we have a little reflect on where we've come from to where we are now, then that's all part of that journey. So if you, if you sort of give up on life, then time just drifts on and you find yourself struggling continuously. So if it, it, I try and put little plans in place for every week to try and achieve certain things, whatever that might be. Uh, and that really helps me to get through. So I guess that's a long, windy way of asking or answering where I get to, and it is important to look after yourself. I didn't really realise that until I was diagnosed uh, with cancer, which is a... I'll never be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it was a stress-related issue. I'd really... I'm fairly resilient mentally, and I think physically I just sort of didn't look after myself as well as I can, and naturally that just took a bit of a hammering so you do have to take time out and as you get older in particular, you just look after yourself and that's really the key to this whether it's physically or mentally and with strong men where we have the balance of physical and mental health they sort of go together arm in arm they're both part of the same cog and I think once we get to a physical balance with ourselves it does make you feel better mentally and that certainly works for me and when I can't do that I really do notice it in myself and I can see I can pick up when troubles brewing I can sort of feel it in myself so I can consciously do something about it so that's kind of where where I am with that at the moment I just want
0: to say I just want to say to those of you are watching and listening, and listening and this, listening through, to the, end. It through thank to you for the end thank you for, for staying with us staying with us I have no I have doubt that you've, you've been moved by moved whatever, by whatever, whatever. Shared, please, shared, do, shared, please share do share this with um, um, what timeline what time or time someone, someone in the inbox that needs to hear this um, um, and and, I'm and I'm to let me you just you say to you and your family, family, I have such, I have such respect, respect admiration, admiration for you. For you. Um, and and thank you for thank coming and joining, us, joining this us this evening. Not Would again. you do me the honour of leaving, of us, leaving with us with a final thought, final from, your thought from your good self?
1: Final thought, how can I, what is a final thought? I don't really know what I can say on that because I'm not very good at corny, <laughs> unlike your good self. Um, I think... I don't really know, to be honest, mate. Just sort of keep on going, really, and do what you want to do in life. You and I spoke when we finished the, the, um, the Portsmouth gig, and I know you were keen to sort of have a chat and where you were going with stuff. you just got to do what you want to do in life because you're only here once. And, you know, obviously everyone has a financial pressure on them, but, I mean, I gave up work at the end of June. It was the best thing I could have done for my own well-being. It means I've got no salary, but I feel 100% better in myself for doing it. So do what you want to do in life and follow follow the best course of action for you. I'm not going to say follow the dream because sometimes the dream is, is a little bit nuts. But you've just got to do what you want to do to make yourself appreciate life, really, because it's all about experiences. It's not about money. I know money can buy experiences, but, it, you know, experiences are so much more important. Uh, and if if you have the opportunity to do what you want in life, then that's that's what...
0: That's what it's all about for me. Thank you so much Thank for you taking the so time. time. Thank, Thank you for everyone, for for everyone that's, the that's taken the time to, to join us as well. Us as well. Um, I hope you have a, um, have a great week. Much love, everybody. Much love everybody.